This episode is sponsored by Fire and Fuel Coaching, where I help you discover who you are and where you want to go, both on and off the job. For more information, please reach out to me at my Instagram handle at Jerry Fire and Fuel. Welcome to Enduring the Badge. I'm Jerry Dean Lund, your host, and my special guest today is Andy Butler, former fire chief and longtime friend of mine. Andy started his fire career about 24 years ago as a volunteer firefighter and made his way up to fire chief and just retired about a month ago. Here Andy's journey on today's podcast, and here's Andy. Started with Draper City Ambulance in 19, and I got a job there, and um, I've kind of bounced around all over the Salt Lake Valley since then. So even lived down here. Oh yeah, in, uh, in Utah County. For yeah. A while. So yeah, that's yeah. Kind of, that's kind of my my childhood story, I guess. Well, uh, you know, is there a, like a certain time in in your life that stands out of being like just like a real fun or funny time, like growing up, or just even up until today or before today? <laughs> well, the last month being retired has been pretty fun, but uh, prior to that, I think probably that time right that we were just talking about, right when I started with Draper City Ambulance. Um, I was right out of high school. I had a couple of good friends and it was kind of just this, uh, this, uh, freedom moment where we didn't have school and I was running on an ambulance (laughs) and I was loving life and it was part-time. So I had a lot of free time and we did a lot of stuff and just kind of did whatever we wanted for a a year or so until we all finally realized that we had to grow up and get full-time jobs and actually be adults. So probably that time, um, uh, that, that's kind of the time that sticks out in my mind um, as being kind of a really good good point in my life. So yeah, yeah. Well, the uh, funny story, right? Uh, the story how we met. Yeah, uh, is pretty interesting story. And Andy and I, uh, we we worked for Draper City uh, as a volunteer. Is volunteer or part time? Uh, it was paid call. Back paid call. Uh, yeah, it was kind of paid call volunteer ish. Yeah, I mean we. We wore pagers and we got up in the middle of the night and yeah. stuff like that. So, yeah, yeah, same same type of thing. So yeah. I was working for uh, Lehigh City Ambulance at that time. Right. And then uh, we had this transport to American Fork Emergency <laughs> Room, and that's where I met Andy. Uh, Andy was in a older Draper City Ambulance, and, uh, of course, I was in a older Lehigh City Ambulance. These cities were super small back then. Yeah, so it's true. really literally no budget to run these type of uh, operations that they're running. So... Uh, your ambulance was dead, right? Oh yeah, it was dead. Yeah, it, it was dead, dead. Like it was not going anywhere. Yes. That was super funny. So I mean, it's always a little bit embarrassing to be broke down in your car, but even a little more embarrassing to be broke down in your ambulance. But uh, didn't one of our crew guys like get it running? We had like a guy that was running with us on the ambulance was a mechanic and got that started up and running for you. Yeah, sorry. Um, yeah, he. What did he do? He had some starter fluid. Yeah, starter fluid. Yep. It in there and <laughs> yeah. Yeah, it, it worked. So somehow we got that thing running. And yeah. Got back to Draper. So yeah. Yeah, and then who knew that would be a start of a, a long term friendship and uh, our careers that actually ending up working together. Yeah. For a good portion of our careers. That would have been twenty four years ago. Wow. Right. Yeah. Yeah. Four years ago. Yep. Yep. So uh, what do you tell us? What are your passion about? <clears throat> What am I passionate about? Well, um, I think my passion has changed over the years. You know, when I first started back in, well, we were just talking 95, 
Um, I was passionate about EMS and ambulance service. And I remember I, uh, you know, I had a medical pack in my, the trunk of my car. <laughs> um, we, we bought the, the uh, module to attach to the headlights to like make them fly. Oh yeah. I mean, it was just like living, eating, breathing EMS and fire in, in 95, right out of high school. It was just something that I could not get enough of. Um, and I, I remember being made fun of a lot too, uh, because of it. Cause I would chase <laughs> ambulances. I would chase fire trucks. I would go watch uh, Draper city fire, put out fires. Um, yeah, it was just a, a really big passion of mine back then. Um, and, and so, I, I mean, that was 24 years ago. And I think that through the last 24 years, that passion has still been there. It's changed and evolved over time um, throughout that field. Um, more into, most recently, more of a leadership type passion of trying to be influential in the department that I'm in and trying to figure out what the the best thing for the department and for the people that are working there is and trying to implement new programs and, and stuff like that and trying to figure out, kind of navigate all of that. That became more of my passion over the last probably four to five, uh, four to six years. That's uh, That's a tough spot to be, right? Because the guys on the floor doing right. combat really uh, struggle to understand right. what you know, your wants and needs. And uh, you're also under a bunch of pressure at that time to come to comply with what the city wants and sure. wants and needs. Yeah. And it, my department, we had a, a really interesting transition. I worked as a paramedic um, for about six years. And during that period of time, we were had two stations. It was a relatively small department and everybody kind of knew each other and everybody worked with each other everybody saw each other and knew how everybody worked and then i moved into an administrative role and we built a third station and we hired a third more personnel on who had never worked with me in that capacity right so they're coming in not really knowing me and now i'm kind of trying to navigate and and actually relying a little bit on that historical uh, relationships that i have and thinking okay you know, people know me and they know how I work and what I'm going to do. And then not totally realizing that a third of the department had never met me. Yeah. I didn't yeah, know that. I yeah. didn't have that background. And that was a, a little bit of a tough lesson to try and figure out and try and realize I have to show these guys what I'm about. They don't know. They haven't worked with me on a crew or as a paramedic. So that was a, an interesting transition there. Yeah, and I think uh, a thing I've learned that's really kind of served me well in the fire department is uh, people really get reputations for things, um, good, bad, and a lot of it is untruth reputations. Right. They get these reputations, and then I've always felt like, you know, I have to build my own relationship with those those people. What Whatever anybody else says about them, I still have to build a relationship with them. And so, right. you know, that has served me well. I just, you know, no matter what the person's reputation is, I got to form my own relationship with them. And I think that's kind of a big stumbling block in the fire service is people want to jump on the bandwagon of, you know, I don't want to say bashing a person, but uh, sometimes it turns into feeding frenzy and people get eaten alive by their reputation built probably not on truth that's absolutely true and uh, you know as well as i do i saw it plenty of times with individuals who 
um, could not get past the reputation, uh, yeah. or not even a reputation. It was more of a, uh, get past something that had either happened or a personality that they had had back years ago. And they just could not overcome that. Yeah. And it just followed them through their whole career. And it's unfortunate that, uh, people don't give them, um, but just what you were saying, you know, form your own opinion. Don't, don't there's the fire service is famous for, you know, rumors and talking and all that kind of stuff. And it's important, I think, to form your own opinion. So. Yeah. Uh, and, uh, you know, I'm, I'm not saying I haven't taken part in that cause I, I would, I'd be lying to you, you know, right. but I think I've learned from that and, uh, I've especially learned just because I've probably, you know, been the recipient of some of that as right. well, uh, throughout my career. But, you know, we, everybody can change yeah. and uh, everybody should deserve the opportunity to, to change, to have that opportunity and be supported by their crews and, you know, the department and right. admin and all that stuff. So, yep. so, uh, uh explain, you know, kind of just a day in the life back when you were, uh, you were working cause back when I was, well, <laughs> I, the day in the life changes from a month ago to maybe when I was back as a paramedic, we'll, we'll talk about when I was a paramedic. Yeah. It's more inter- yeah. interesting. Um, and maybe we can touch a little bit on the, the day in the life, uh, of the admin firefighter, um, day in the life of the first responder for me anyway. Um, you know, back then we were working 24 hour shifts. Uh, we hadn't switched to the 48 hour shifts yet. So which is awesome. Uh, now we, uh, <laughs> we, uh, we worked 24 hour shifts and we had days off in between. Um, but a, a day in the life for me, um, typically started with coming in and doing a, a pass off from the crew, getting, uh, anything that had occurred on the prior shift, any equipment problems or issues that they had had getting kind of a pass off from them. Uh, usually there was a plentiful coffee going around in the morning. That's a must all, in the firehouse. A must, Yes. Um, as one of my partners would explain or tell you, um, he wouldn't talk to me before 11 AM. Because, <laughs> uh, yeah, we're the, the person he wanted to be around before 11. So the coffee had um, anyway, um, and then, uh, you know, we do apparatus checks. Um, we make sure all of our equipment is good, ready to go, ready to respond, that we're ready. Um, and then from there, it varies throughout the day. Uh, some crews have a really regimented schedule. Other crews are a little more loose. Uh, typically, a day consisted of some physical training, uh, physical fitness training, I should say, and then fire training or, or medical training, some sort of educational component. Um, there could be business inspections, hydrant inspections that needed to be done, public education that got done, and all of this between all the calls that we run. Right. And I think the, the general public probably doesn't have a really good idea what we do as far as uh, day-to-day. Right. You know, I, I think generally they think maybe we're just sitting around in some lounge chairs uh, waiting for, you know, the next the next call. But, right. you know, the smaller the, the department, generally, the less that's the case. You know, the bigger departments that are running – constant calls yeah you may find them in the trying to get some naps in here right. and there after being up all night but yeah in smaller departments you have to do everything yeah absolutely and that's that, that was my department um we were small um and we were busy from you know 7 a.m when we came on shift until five or six o'clock at night when we finally got a little bit of downtime we could have dinner um watch some tv or whatever um but we're still there to run calls yeah after five or six or 2 a.m mm-hmm. or whenever so throughout that whole 24-hour shift we're there to run calls when they come in and we're trying to fit everything else in between that. So. Yeah. Complicated. Yep. So the, you know, so that was the day in life as the kind of firefighter yeah. paramedic. And then 
you've moved up in ranks over your career. So right. kind of how's how that changed from being a guy that worked, you know, 24 hour shift to a guy that's a eight to five or whatever, four tens or. Yeah. Um, yeah, I, I made the transition, uh, just a little over midway through my career, um, to the admin side and I, I, be, I promoted to be a battalion chief and in my department, um, the battalion chiefs were admin day staff, 40 hour a week people. Um, we didn't work shift work. So I was eight to five and made that transition off 24 hours and it was an adjustment. Um, that first time, that first month or two, it was a weird adjustment to realize I've got to be at work <laughs> Monday, Tuesday, Wednesday, Thursday, Friday. Yeah. Um, instead of Monday, Wednesday, Friday, and then four days off. So um, it was a little bit of adjustment, of an adjustment, um, but um, good and bad. Um, as I as I promoted up and became the the chief, I think the day in in my life changed a little bit. It became a lot more political, a lot more meetings. Um, you know, a lot of my days uh, maybe didn't start right at 8 or end right at 5. They might have started a little bit later, but ended at 10 or 11 p.m. at the end of a council meeting. Um, and then there's, you know, nights and, and weekends where different things happen that you have to come and, and take care of. So, uh, yeah, quite a quite a bit of difference between the shift work and the admin side. So, you know, in, sh- in shift work, you know, depending on the department, you know, you get to go home and you can kind of do your own thing right? once you, once you leave. But when you're admin, yeah. that doesn't really apply, does it? No. Um, you know, being a battalion chief, it did to an extent, but not as much as being on shift and being the chief of the department. Absolutely not. Yeah. It was 24 seven phone on you at all times, emails coming in at all times, texts, questions, um, council people calling, city admin calling. Um, yeah, it was just 24-7. You can never fully get away from it. Um, even on vacation, it was hard to really detach and, and you know put the phone down and say, I'm not going to look at my phone for a week. Because you have a vested, I mean, it's your department. So yeah. You're, you're worried and you're, you're thinking about things. And you put good people in. And I had, I had great admin staff and um, trusted them 100%. Um, had no issues with, with turning the department over to them. Um, but even that being said, there's, it's still in your mind yeah. of, you know, what's, what's happening. Or I just saw this weird call pop up on my phone. I wonder what's going on. I wonder if everybody's okay. Stuff like that. So Yeah, it's, and it's... Uh... It, it's tough. It can, it consumes you. Right. I mean, cause you can't detach. And right. even if you wanted to detach and like leave your phone for a couple of days and come back, I mean, what are you going to come back to? Right. A bunch of right. text mails, text emails, phone calls, and then trying to play catch up. It's kind of not really worth it. Is it to put your phone down for a couple of days and, you know, try to detach? Yeah. Probably not actually. <laughs> yeah. I mean, you're right. You come back to a, a bunch of stuff that you have to deal with. Um, and people would argue both ways that it's good to get get away and deal with it when you get back. And then there's other people who would just rather deal with it. Um, I typically just kept it with me. And, yeah. And dealt with it. So. Now, that's kind of the same type of person I am too. It's just, I don't want to be buried. Like I'm trying to do much as I can, even though you're, you're technically off and not, not getting paid to answer these emails and messages and stuff, but right. it's just easier on your life to, to do to do it right. and then not not to put it off right. so i mean I, that's probably a you know a, having that kind of a lifestyle kind of probably shapes your life off duty right your family life your life with your 
kid. Yeah, um, it, it does. Um, because of that all-consuming aspect, um, I think my family realized that there were times that I needed to go take a phone call or there were times that I needed to leave for a minute and go deal with something. Um, I don't think it ever got um, really bad where I was, you know, always on the phone or always leaving, but there were certainly times. Um, and my, my son grew up with that. Um, so I don't think he knew any different necessarily. <laughs> so it was kind of how he always knew me. Yeah. Um, but my, uh, my ex-wife now, um, which, which speaks volumes. Um, we can talk about that. Maybe. <laughs> um, but, um, yeah, definitely it, it affected our relationship because yeah, there is, it's, it's kind of an all consuming job and it kind of, if you let it, it can kind of take over your life and you have to be really, really careful. Yeah. I, um, yeah, we can, we can kind of go into that. Um, I, and it's it's not uncommon and right to it's not shocking to know that a first responder has been divorced right. uh, at least one time it's it happens it's uh i see it way too often i mean we, we've had friends you know yeah. that have have gone through it we've we've gone through it um as in our friendships yep. and it's just it's uh i think you you change you change drastically from when you got into the fire service and as time progresses, you change. Yeah. And I don't know. I mean, I, I, you know, the, the other person probably is, is changing as well, but probably not as drastically as, is your changing. Right. It's, 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 it's a, it's a tough job. I mean, the, the person that you're married to in a relationship has got to understand, uh, the job, um, you know, and, I think a lot of them struggle to understand the job and how to ask questions and when not to ask questions and, right. um, you know, everything we see and do, we don't want to talk about, um, with our spouses or right. significant others, right. but you know, a good portion of it, we'll talk with our buddies when they're around. And I've known that's, that's kind of always been something like, well, you didn't tell me about that. Well, it really didn't come up in my mind and you know, they were there. So we're talking about it, you know, right. Trying to, it's a way that we deal with it. Right. Yeah, and it's, uh, I mean, how did, how does she, was she able to adjust with that or I mean? To, yeah, like... I, I think that exactly what you said is right. Um, you know, she was a paramedic, so she was in the line of work. Um, but when I came into the administrative side of things, there was a little bit of a difficulty because there was, a, there was the questions like what's going on, who's, who are you dealing with or what are you dealing with today? And I had to kind of figure out like, what, what can I talk about? What should I talk about? What doesn't matter? Uh, and trying to navigate through that. And that created contention and, and issues for sure. Um, because I mean, your, your spouse is somebody that wants to be part of your life and understand you and what you're going with and help you. And so trying to figure out Number one, do I even want to talk about this? Or number two, should I even talk about this? Um, yeah, it, it was difficult. It was difficult. So it's I, it's tough to find a balance of of that, especially even being in you know her being in the service. It's still just really hard to balance that because you you just like legally, yeah, you can't really talk about everything. Right. Yeah, and that's exactly right. I mean, it, it's legally and it's really my own personal. I guess, um, 
I guess, ethical standard of I wouldn't, I wouldn't want somebody talking about me if I was going through some sort of, you know, disciplinary issue or personal issue or something that was affecting my work. And so I tried to give that respect to the people that I was working with, um, that I didn't talk about that kind of stuff outside of the people who needed to be part of that conversation. So, yeah. Yeah. That's, that's tough. That's uh, that's tough on them. They, they, they probably want to be really understanding about it, right. uh, but you know, whether they, they can, you know, that's a, that's a totally different story. Right. Was there any, like, so going through these rough times and through, through divorce and things like that, were there any, like, you know, were there any, like, dark times that you had going through any of that? Like, was there like just, you know, it's an up and down roller coaster of, you know, getting divorced and it's an adjustment, you know, adjustment for you and it's adjustment for your family, adjustment for your, you know, your ex-wife. Like, I mean, how, how did, how did that affect you? Yeah. Um, I think that, well, certainly there was dark times. Um, I think probably everybody does that regardless of the occupation that you're in. Um, but yeah, there was about a year there where it was a little bit difficult to kind of figure out the new normal, um, what what it, what my role was in my personal life, um, how my personal life was affecting my professional life, um, trying to figure out um, kind of how to make all of that fit back together again. Um, there was definitely some, uh, I guess, dark times is the way to put it. Um, and that sounds really, yeah. really <laughs> well, hard, yeah. but um, just, just difficult times. Yeah, right? sort of yeah. New times yeah, or just different the, times. Yeah. It's just the difficult times of like, you know, it's a, I call it, you know, the dark times because a lot of times it's the times of like self-discovery. Like, you know, right. you're like, you're, everything's changed. Um, yeah, you're trying to find your new normal, new balances and everything is all out of whack. Like, you know, a, being a fireman and being on a set schedule and everything like, and then the schedule is all shaken up, not only your schedule, but your whole entire life is all shaken up. Right. So yeah, trying to find the new you and then, uh, you know, people looking in from the outside are wondering, you know, what's going on with you. And, uh, you know, they, they, they can either choose to reach out to you or they, uh, don't choose to re out, reach out to you. Right. Yeah. Which, which is tough <laughs> is tough. Yeah, definitely. Um, yeah. And plenty of those experiences, um, through that period of time. Um, and you're right. It's, uh, I don't know. It was a, it was an interesting period of time. It was a period of self-discovery, a period of darkness. That sounds, <laughs> um, but you know, on the, on the back side of it now, uh, a couple of years later, um, I think it's been good. I think it's been, there's been some growth, um, with me, um, some self-discovery, some more self-awareness, talk to a lot of people. Um, I don't know. I think it's been, it's been okay. Now, yeah. I mean, the, on the, on the tail end of it. Tail end. Yeah. 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 Cause yeah, I remember going through some of those times and, you know, suffering through some things and thinking I'm all alone and nobody understands what I'm going through and right. no one's walked in my shoes. And, uh, yeah, I mean, uh, my my personal story is a little bit different than, than yours. Uh, but yeah, there's just that self-discovery. Like, was there anything like anything you did in particular to like do any self-discovery? Like, was there any, like, you know, was there, was it running? Did you run? And was that was the good, was that time that gave you to time to think? Did you fly, read? And like, what were yeah. the, 
Uh, yeah, definitely. Um, physical exercise played a role. Um, that was definitely a time uh, running. That's a great time for me to just kind of zone out, put some music on, and just kind of think or, or whatever. Uh, but I also had a couple of good people in my life um, through that period of time that I think um, were were good. They were harsh, um, which isn't bad. Yeah. Um, it, and harsh isn't the right word. It's more maybe just like really honest, like make me think type thing, you know, yeah. like, you know, kind of that slap upside the head, <laughs> like, dude, come on. Um, and so that helped, um, professional counseling. Um, you know, I, I did that well up until my insurance expired 27 years ago, <laughs> I was still doing that. Yeah. Um, and I would recommend that for everybody. I don't think there's anybody, nobody should be ashamed of that. Um, because you know, I didn't ever, have any medications or, you know, I didn't have any real, what maybe some would consider, um, you know, I didn't have any like addiction issues or stuff like that, but just being able to go sit down with somebody for an hour every couple of weeks and just vent or chat about whatever, it's hugely helpful. A third party, un, 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 I guess not uninterested, but <laughs> uninvolved yeah. person that can just kind of give you a third party outside objective perspective on things. It's very, very helpful. And I would highly recommend it. Um, but then I had, uh, yeah, I had a couple of good friends that, um, I think helped through that and, um, reading books, um, kind of figuring out what I wanted my life to look like. Um, and really just thinking about how that, how I wanted it to look and what I wanted to be. Um, I don't know. I think it, it was really good. Yeah. So uh, going back a little bit, um, do you think as far as counseling, do you think that's a big stigmatism in the, as a first responder? Like nobody wants to do that or let anybody else know that they do that? Or Yeah, oh, I think it, it has been. Um, I think it's getting better with the, the awareness of some of the mental issues that are, are affecting first responders these days. Um, I think it's getting better. Um, I don't think we're past it yet. And certainly back, well, when you and I started, yeah. oh my gosh, no, yeah. you would never <laughs> admit that you had to go see a counselor or that, you know, the, the five-year-old kid that was dead on the road that you just picked up is affecting you in any way, shape or form. It was just something you did. Yeah. And you came back to the station and you had dinner and you went to bed and you went on with your life and you never talked about that or, um, let on that it might be affecting you. Yeah. Um, I, yeah. Feelings are, uh, you know, people tend to think feelings are, are a sign of weakness, but I, I feel like it's a good thing. You know, you got to have feelings. You have to have a range of feelings. Right. Um, sure. You got to keep your feelings in check when you're on calls, but I mean, you have to have some emotions, some feelings. I mean, you can't just be dead inside. Right. You know, these things do affect you. They affect, they affect everyone. Yeah, absolutely. And, and the fire service I think is trying to get better. Um, but just people need to be more stepping forward to, to get the counseling and things that they need. And the departments need to be more supportive right. of them. And I, and I think they are trying to, it's just a weird time of, uh, of adjustment. Yeah. But yeah, and, uh, you know, both mental, mental and emotional and physical health, you have to have all three of those going on to have a, to have a long career. Right. What was it? So, I mean, what was your, when you were on shift, uh, what was your first responder family like? I mean, what, the guys you worked with. Well, you know, you were part of it. <laughs> yeah, I was part of it. <laughs> For a while there, yeah. Um, I had I had great crews. Um, I, I'm not sure I really can look back and say that I had a bad crew. Um, 
we, for the most part, my crews were pretty tight. We did things off duty a lot. Um, that was kind of a big part of the fire service back, well, uh, I mean, 20 years ago, 15 years ago. Um, and I think it still goes on. Uh, it feels like maybe not to the extent that it used to, but I've been out of touch with that a little bit, so I'm uh, not sure. I do, I do. I totally agree with you. It's not like it used to be. Yeah. And I think part of that is because every firefighter's got like three to five jobs. Yeah. So there's like zero free time. Yeah. And that's a good point. Yeah. Um, but yeah, my crews were, were great. We, um, we did a lot of stuff on duty together, um, in our downtime, which was fun. Yeah. Um, and then we also did stuff off duty. There was, you know, mornings where we would pack up from being on shift and go out and play around a golf or we'd load up the guns and we'd go shoot or, uh, whatever. Um, Go to Vegas, yeah, you know, for the weekend. Yeah. Um, yeah, I mean, it was just your your family at work became your friends and family almost outside of work. Yeah, wives knew each other, girlfriends, kids—they all knew each other, um, and there was just kind of this family bond that that occurred. So, yeah, I I, I miss that because even I mean our crews are they're a mix of part time and full time and everybody seems to be scattered out and doing something off duty hardly ever happens. Yeah. Um, and I've, I've been working in this area for almost 30 years now. And so I know quite a few people is just the get togethers and things like that just don't happen. now. I feel like everybody's just kind of staying within themselves and right. Not going out and doing a lot of things. Yeah, no, I, I agree. I think that's the case everywhere. And it's a good point that you made with the uh, amount of work that everybody's probably putting in off-duty jobs. And people are just generally busy. And I, I, I find that um, some people don't understand that maybe that, you know, some people get frustrated that they put an invite out for something and nobody shows up. And I saw this even outside of the fire service in, in my role as the chief um, city councils, uh, city administration would try and organize something and nobody would show up and they would kind of wring their hands and go, why won't anybody come to this? And it's not because people don't want to, it's because people are just generally busier. They have families, they have kids, they have extracurricular activities, they have vacations, they have jobs, and it's just hard to find time. Yeah, I think some of that is, I mean, more, you know, more families that are, you know, both parents are working full time, kids are playing sports, yep. and just like, you know, I know some evenings for us are just, you know, it's just run one kid here, run one kid there, try to fix dinner in between, you know, and it's just a constant, constant battle of trying to keep up with them, and right. I think more expectations are maybe out of kids now, especially when they play sports, like, right. and uh, I don't feel like kids, like, do some of the things that we used to do, like ride their bike to practice, <laughs> <Right>. <laughs> things like that. But, right. you know, be more self-sufficient. I felt I was pretty self-sufficient. Uh, both my parents worked when I was a kid and, uh, you know, we fended for ourselves for quite a bit at that time. Right. Rode a mile to baseball practice and it was like, no big deal. And I, I don't, I'm feeling like we're really living in that scary of a time where kids, you know, still can't do that. But uh, no, I agree with you. I think that's, <laughs> That's been lost a little bit. Yeah, that's it's unfortunate. Yeah. Um, is there been any time like through your career seeing all that type of stuff? You know, as far as you know, going back a little bit to the, you know the PTSD. You ever felt like you had any PTSD or just 
anything kind of similar to that that just kind of bothered you? Um, I, you know, I probably didn't identify it as PTSD. Um, and I, I'm not even sure I, I still would um, characterize it as that. Um, I think that the job tends to change you in different ways. And certainly I think it affects people differently. And um, there, I, I'm not downplaying that PTSD exists or that people have um, true concerns or, or issues based on stuff that they've seen and stuff that's gone on in the job. Um, I feel like that I probably didn't recognize that until the last five or six years of my career and um, really started to understand that, okay, some of the way that I conduct myself and how I think is because of all of this stuff for the last 20 years. Um, and I even saw that with my son when he was born, like being worried about different things. And people were like, what are you talking about? And like, okay, hold on. That's just because I, I saw this thing one time and it's not going to happen to just stuff like that. Yeah. Um, and I think it became more apparent for me watching my crews when I was a battalion chief or even as the chief watching them, responding on calls or going out to calls with them and seeing their reactions um, that I kind of finally started to understand this is, this is affecting people. This affects people's minds and how they view the world and how they interact with others and all that kind of stuff. Um, And like I said, I think the fire service is getting better at addressing that. I think we have a long way to go though. Yeah. I think there's still more, more to do. I mean, there's, I, I mean, for me, there's always calls that will never, like, never leave my memory ever, oh. ever. Oh, yeah. Um, and they're not, they're not good calls. Right. I, I don't, I don't remember those, the good calls, unfortunately. No. I just remember the bad ones and, you know, driving through a, a you know, an area or something like that or through a neighborhood, like you, all those things, you know, all come flooding, flooding back to you. And I, like, it is. It's like a lot of it. A lot of it is like how we deal with it ourselves, and uh, you know what are we going through at, at home too. So the exterior pressures of home and things happening at work and just that mounting amount of stress, you know, tends to lead to going to you know having that bad call, and then that's the one that kind of sets you up and spirals you down, and then it's just a rolling snowball. A lot of guys can't stop. Right. And women can't stop that either. And it's just. It's ruins ruins careers, ruins lives, and uh, uh, last year, far as firefighters, more suicides than line of duty deaths. Yeah, that's crazy. And and even a majority, like the numbers, you know, far as suicides are like most places don't even want it if they're a first responder, even label it a suicide. Right. Um, so the numbers are probably a lot a lot higher than what we're actually seeing. Right. Do you think over time, I mean, it's been a while, a little bit since you've been on the floor and stuff like that. Do you think that those type of things, you know, cause you lose a little bit of empathy for some of the patients or people or? Yeah, I think it, um, I think it does. Um, I, on my sixth year as a paramedic, I was self-admittedly, I was 100% burned out from being a paramedic. Um, and I remember having patients that I treated completely wrong, um, that I should never have treated the way that I did and not in a, 
not in a way that you know was you know I didn't create, cause any physical harm or anything like that, but certainly not giving them the empathy Anthony. or yeah. or um, you know listening to them as carefully as I should have. Stuff like that is the stuff I'm talking about. Um, and I was working in the ER at that time, so I was seeing a lot of stuff through the ER, and then I was working as a paramedic on shift. And six years later, I. I, it was lucky I promoted. I'll, I guess I can just say that because <laughs> I, was, I was done being a paramedic. Um, I was just done getting up at 2 a.m. to go help, you know, so-and-so or whatever. And um, I think that all comes from just what we're talking about, seeing all the stuff, being dealing with all the different types of calls and people, um, Seeing the people who abuse EMS, um, who use EMS for um, completely wrong reasons, and you know you have the arguments. I hear them all over. You go to conferences, and you know, well, that's it's, that's still your paycheck. You're still getting paid to do that. Well, I get that, and I'm not I'm not disagreeing 100 percent with that. But at the same time, um, if you're running your paramedics on 25 calls a shift, and all they are are lift assists or helping somebody get a ride to their doctor's appointment. Well, that, that it, it's hard to describe, but that's not why paramedics are paramedics. Right. And so that, that creates issues in itself too. So I'm off on a tangent a little bit, but no, no, I, I, I think the uh, number of firefighters and paramedics and, you know, mostly paramedics because they're generally ones taking the majority of the calls and doing the transports. It's just, burnout would be it's staggering in the fire service and when you get burned out yeah you lose empathy and right. you can't sleep and everything is just bothering you and that you know not working working another job definitely doesn't help right. and i can only think of just a couple firemen that don't work another fire job or something very similar right. you know or work in the hospital yeah it's going to burn you out Yep. And the amount of money that I try to tell them that you're making is not going to be worth it. Like we're trying to gather up all this money in this, in the short term, but you know, overall the future, that's going to be, it's going to get you. Yeah. It's going to bite you. Yeah, definitely. I mean, and going through, you know, going through all that, I mean, did you, I mean, were there any, like, do you feel like you made any, what, what changes would you make to your career? Like what would you, if you could go back and look at it, what, what, what would you change? Um, that's a that's a really good question. I don't know because when I look back over the last, I guess in totality, twenty four years at American Fork Hospital, um, I when I look back over it, honestly, I can say it was a good twenty four years. It was a good career. I don't have, you know, these. I don't look at the fire service and have this, you know, this thought of. I, I worked 24 years in this crazy industry and now it's messed me up for my life. You know, I don't have, I don't have thoughts like that. I look back and I'm happy that I put in that time that I served the people that I did, that I, I hopefully made a difference in people's lives, um, in a variety of ways as a paramedic, as a chief, as a battalion, you know, through the whole range there. Um, so I don't know if anything sticks out as, um, negative to me. Um, I think I would probably change how I dealt with stuff a little bit better. Um, I would probably counseling. <laughs> I would probably not be so worried about that. I would probably find um, a little bit better support group or a network outside of work. Um, 
because I didn't have that. I didn't have family and friends outside of work that really I could, I don't know, uh, I guess vent to or, you know, relieve some of that stress. Um, so I would probably change some of that, try and figure out, okay, this is affecting me. How do I change this? Um, I guess if I, if I had to change something, that would be it. As far as the career itself, I'm overall pretty, I mean, I'm satisfied with it. Yeah. I, don't, I don't have a whole yeah. lot of points. Yeah, just uh, get, skipping the, the burnout portion of it probably, you know, would, would help if we could figure out how to skip that in our careers. Right. But I, I don't know anybody yet hasn't gone through it yet that's had a long career and, uh, you know, some people kind of go, I feel like you go through phases. I mean, ups and down phases of, of feeling burnt out. Right. As, as a first responder, what, what was your like greatest accomplishment? Do you have anything that stands out? Um, you know, again, that changes over the, the course of the years. Um, I think that I, when I was a paramedic, I, I wanted to be, a good paramedic and I tried to to learn as much as I could and to try and be as sharp as I could at my skills um, because I didn't ever want there to be this issue of me not being up to or being able to deliver the care that people were expecting from me so I tried to make sure that I focused on training focused on um, working on skills, uh, all that kind of stuff, um, as a paramedic, um, you know, I, I, there's probably a few calls here and there that I, we could talk about, um, where I feel like we probably made a difference. Yeah. Um, and so some of those are good accomplishments where I think that we intervened at a point in somebody's life that probably saved their life. Um, and that's a cool thing to think about. Do you, um, do you have one that you want to share? I, I'm, I'm sitting here. Trying, <laughs> there's, I mean, there's, there's several that, you know, without being super specific, there's, you know, well, I'm sure you and I have been on uh, cardiac arrest that we've gotten back. Um, right. Overdoses stick in my mind where, you know, somebody that's overdosed, that's not breathing, but we get there in time and we're able to reverse that and, and get them back. Um, uh, stuff like that, I think, are, are the things that stick in my mind. Um, I don't have a specific call. I could probably think of one if I sat here yeah. a minute, but just generally stuff like that. Um, there's a lot of, there's a lot of pressure to, to perform as a, as a paramedic. And I always think of, you know, baseball, if you're hitting three or four balls out of 10, you know, you're, you're an all-star. Right. But as a firefighter or paramedic, what? You got about a thousand, like you have right. to hit everything out of the park. Right. And Especially the, on those critical calls for sure. Yeah. Um, yeah, there's no 30. 30% or whatever it is. Yeah. So, yeah. You got to be a hundred percent. So yeah. And those are, those are the ones that, you know, the, those are the good ones that me, you know, as you try to look back and think about them and the ones that you're like, yeah, we hit that one out of the park. Like that was, everything happened just like it was supposed to and went smooth. Cause that's not always the case. <laughs> no. Yeah. And then there's the ones, yeah, you're right. There's the ones where you look back and go, that didn't work out like I wanted it to. And what could I have done different? And that contributes to some of this, you know, stress and mental stuff that you go through where you sit and think about a call for, you know, days, months, weeks, whatever, wondering about, could this have been done? Could we have done this? Or what could I have done differently? Um, but, you know, I, I think all of that contributes to the stress of the job. I'd, I'd, I would agree with you. Yeah. I mean, we, we always go back and rehash the calls and 
course, you know, it's easier to look back at everything and right. to maybe make some adjustments. And, you know, when they get to the ER and you get more information, you're like, oh, yeah, that's, that's, that's great to know. I wish I really would have known that in the beginning of this call. Uh, sometimes people fail to tell us things until they get to the ER and then they tell a different story. Right. And they're like, hmm, that would have been good to know. Right. <laughs> that could have changed something. Right. What, I mean, what advice would you give someone looking in to get into the fire service? Um, well, number one, I would say do it. Um, you know, we've seen a decline in recruitment um, and even retention in first responders over the last few years where um, not as many people are getting into the, the, the first responder service, firefighting, EMS, um, and that's a variety of reasons, and I, I don't think that's what we need to get into now, but um, I would say um, do it. Go and, and do it. If it's something that you're interested in, then then go and do it. Um, find a mentor. Find somebody who's been in it a while. Find somebody that you can talk to that understands what you're going through, that can help you with some of this stuff. And um, don't, don't do what I or we probably did yeah. and try and go it alone. Um, find people and get a, get a good network and do it. It's a rewarding job. I mean, there's no doubt about it. You, you're serving people, you're helping people, um, you're making a difference in people's lives. Um, you get to go down the street in a big red fire engine with lights <laughs> and siren. And, yeah. That never gets old. <laughs> yeah. That never gets old. In fact, it was like a week before I retired and I was standing in front of the station and saw our fire engine go down lights and siren and it's still cool. So uh, yeah, it never gets old. Um, and that's just one part of it. Um, I don't want to make you, it sound like that's that's the the best part. But it is. No, I'm <laughs> I mean, you think it's ever not going to be not going to be cool though? I mean, do you think ever like going to like not see a fire truck no. or ambulance and be like, that's not cool? No, I don't think I ever will. Yeah. No. So, um, right when I, I'm, I'm when I'm traveling, I'm like, oh hey, look, those guys are going to work. They're you know they're uh, right. It was in San Francisco and got to see a lot of different apparatus there and. You know, I got to see those guys doing some work, getting ready to look like a structure fire that came in. And yeah, it was like, it's it's never not cool. And I, right. I always like trying to take a picture and stuff. Right. And it's like, no matter where I'm at. Yeah. I mean, we're all doing the same job, just different places. And uh, I know it was like kind of like a big thing when you go to these bigger cities. You're like, oh, you guys are so awesome, man. You guys are like real firefighters. Like, no, man, we, we all do the same work or yeah. it's all the same thing. And it's very humbling when you when you go to those places and those those guys tell you that. Yeah. What What do you want uh, the listeners to take away from you? What, what What's like? Do you have something that you could like? What would they want? What, what could they learn from you? Like, what was? I, I think that the the one thing, or I guess maybe a couple things, um, and I've already said it a couple times, but I think that um, I would say to take care of yourself and not it's hard but try not to let the job consume you and become your entire life um it's not it's hard to do it's uh, i mean i've seen it with the guys that we've hired in the last couple of years young guys that come in and within a year it's just they love it and they're they're eating and breathing it and they are working overtime shifts and it's like you got to slow down like you're going to kill yourself. Just slow down. Don't you don't need to promote to be an engineer six months in. Enjoy being a firefighter. Enjoy being an engineer when that time comes. Enjoy being a captain. Take it slow. You've got 20 years and just find people that 
are supportive, that are a positive influence in your life. Find um, good leaders that um, can help you and really just enjoy the journey. Don't, don't be so ready to be the chief because there- let me tell you, you probably don't want to. <laughs> no, I'm kidding. It's, it's, a, it's a rough job. It's a rough job. It's a, I think that's part of the culture of the fire surf a little bit. Those like get in and get to work, getting your certificates and get going. Yep. And right. That's, uh, that's a, uh, can be a disservice. Like yeah. you don't even know your first job and you're trying to get your like second job type promote, like in the fire service, like trying to move up so fast that it's hard to be good at where you're supposed to be being good at right at that very moment. Yeah, absolutely. You're looking too far. To, you're like looking to the next certification. Yeah, oh, totally. And I, um, I'm not one to really talk too much about it because I promoted quickly. Um, and, and, but I agree with you. I think there's, uh, a, enjoy the journey, I guess is the message. Um, become the best firefighter you can. Learn how to be a firefighter and then, learn how to be a driver or learn how to be a paramedic or, or whatever your path is. Um, be a firefighter for 20 years and be the best firefighter you can. That's, there's nothing wrong with that. Um, but a lot of people think there is. Uh, yeah, I would, I would agree with you. Yeah, I mean, you hear, uh, you know, I, I've been a firefighter for 20 years. Well, why didn't you ever promote? There must be something wrong with you. They just never promoted you because you weren't good enough. Well, that's not the case. There's people that just want to be a firefighter, and there's nothing wrong with that. I mean, I will be honest. I think probably if I worked in a bigger city, I think the best job in the fire service really is just being the fireman. Yeah. Just being the teleporter, and your responsibility is not super high, but you get to do the bulk of the work, right. and, it's, and it's good, fun work, especially yeah. when you go to fires. Absolutely. So what's your, what's your future goals now that you're retired? Um, well, I'm going to try and grow this beard. Uh, I'm gonna grow a man yeah. bun. Uh, these are lofty goals, so yeah. You got you got a good start on the beard. Yeah, yeah. This is like three days. That's the, that's the crazy part. Um, no, you know I've got a couple of different things that I'm um, thinking about and working on. Obviously, anybody that knows me knows that I'm trying to do some aviation stuff and and try and do some flying uh, potentially with a, se- a second career in aviation. Um, I've got some consulting stuff that I want to try and get going, um, as far as, um, consulting different, um, fire departments, doing strategic planning or response time analysis, um, grant writing, spec writing, whatever, um, kind of, uh, you know, whatever a department needs, try and fill that gap for them. Um, and whatever that might be for, you know, different departments have different needs. So, um, some of that kind of stuff, um, and then aviation, and um, yeah, that's that's kind of the two two goals right now, and that could change over the next year. So who knows? yeah, yeah, you have freedom now, right? That's right. See, you you, you have the freedom to do whatever you want after right. you know this retirement and to start another career, right? Um, just kind of to wrap it up. I mean, how being a first responder could could you think back, like maybe just like. Could you even imagine what your life would be if you weren't a first responder? I, I can't. In fact, somebody I was talking to somebody the other day, and they asked me how long I had worked for the fire department. And I said, um, well, I started when I graduated from high school. That was 24 years ago. And they said, wow, that's a long time. And I sat there, and I thought about it, and I thought, that is my entire adult life. That's yeah. all I've known. That's all I've done. I, I 
that's it. That's, that's been my life for the last 24 years. And so, no, I can't. I don't know what my life would look like. I don't know what I would have done. Um, honestly, because I'm not sure I had a clear path. Um, in my senior year of high school, I kind of lucked into an EMT class that I was interested in, really enjoyed it. And that kind of launched the career, but had that not happened, I, I don't think I had any type of, Oh, I want to do this or this. Um, you know, I saw my mom doing the ambulance stuff and thought that looks interesting. And I pursued that. So no, I don't know what my life would look like. I think a lot of, a lot of, a lot of people, um, I mean, you're fortunate to get up and get in so early, and a lot of people are now because, you know, recruitment and retention is, is pretty low. And but I mean, it it took me a while to get in there. I wasn't I was 29. Oh yeah. When I when I finally got started full time. Yeah. But yeah, it's almost 30 years now. I've been doing it. So yeah, it's hard to look and see like, yeah, what would have I had done? Like what, what else would I enjoy doing as much as I enjoy doing this? Right. And you know. Uh, at some at some time, this career will come to an end, and uh, I'll be starting another <laughs> career. Yeah, then it's hard to imagine exactly what what that'll look like after you've had the bulk of your adult life and life for me. Yeah. As as this as a first responder. Yep. So, absolutely. Well, I appreciate you being here today, and thank you very much. We'll yeah. uh, have you back again, and uh, hopefully, doing some co-hosting as well. Yeah, that'd be great. Thanks for having me. Um, yeah. It's, it's been good. It's interesting to, to relive, relive a little bit of it. So, um, and like, like I said, it's a good career and I would encourage anybody who wants to do it, to do it. Um, you know, there's pay issues and there's retirement issues and all that kind of stuff. But at the end of the day, if you're getting into it for the pay and retirement, probably not the right reasons to get into it. If you're getting into it or you want to help people and get into it for the right reason, I would say do it. Uh, it's a, it's a good career. So. I agree. Well, thank you so much for your time. Yeah, thank you. All right. Thank you for listening to this episode of Enduring the Badge podcast. And we'd like to thank our sponsor, Fire and Fuel Apparel, apparel dedicated to the men and women who put their lives on their line. You can find them on www.fireandfuelapparel.com or Instagram or Facebook under Fire and Fuel Apparel. Thanks for listening, and we'll see you next week.